you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Darth Plagueis, the Dark Lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create... Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. You may want to rule as father and son, but this here is no place for a Padawan. This is the dark side. This is Sith Dark. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we talk all things Star Wars, Star Wars movies, Star Wars TV shows, Star Wars comics, man, we just talk about everything Star Wars. I am your host, Zach Chrisman, aka the Lord of Lore, and joining me, as always, as ever, as if whatever, get the picture done, it's uh, Lindsay, aka the Lady of Lore. Ooh, I like the the little ditty that goes along with it. Yeah, we go there. Okay. How you doing? I like it. You know, I'm I'm pretty good. I've had a, a stressful couple of weeks, we'll say, but now we get to decompress with you and a little Sith talk, and then uh, hopefully we're we're in the clear. Yeah, I I think it's been kind of the same for for me as well. There was a couple of weeks where mentally I was just I I would not have to. I would have to, like, just literally watch TV for an hour in silence with my phone away just because I had been doing so much work, which I it, – it's not, like, a thing of overworked. It's something that I choose to do, and, and it's not a bad stress. Like, I think people think that all stress is like, I'm sorry you had a bad day. No, I, I'm not having a bad day. I just did a lot. There's a mm-hmm. difference. And the last Yeah, we've said it weeks, before. There's yeah. a difference between bad and long. Right. And I, you know, it was, it's been a rough couple weeks too, but I think like with my new job position, at least this week, it's been a pretty good week. And I'm, what I'm learning about this job is work your ass off. Definitely. But you know, if you get done an hour early, that's fine. Enjoy that day because you're going to work 12 hours on average. So yeah, I feel that. I mean, you and I are recording early tonight only because I, I know I took the afternoon off because I had to go for a speeding ticket. Um, nice. but, but I felt bad when I, when I got out so early, I thought it would take a couple of hours. I was in and out in like 30 minutes. Right. And I, I originally was like, all right, I guess I'm going to go back to work. But then I realized I'm like, I'm the only person in my position who doesn't take a lunch break. You know, I work nine or ten hours straight a day. Right. If I, I already have the time off, it's already approved. Like, fuck yeah. it. I'm going to take some time. I'm, I'm going to decompress. I'm going to talk to my buddy Zach and, and really kind of enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, even with my positions, we do like an hour lunch was what I'm supposed to. Like, I, I actually don't have to do anything. I do whatever I want. But like that's kind of the idea and I literally never take lunch I'm usually like scarfing something down as I'm typing things and just uh, in the hopes that I'll you know maybe get off an hour early on Friday or something which really 
kind of resets and, and means a lot more to me than anything because I just happen to be the type of person where if there's a big long list of something, I'm going to do like pretty much everything I can to get that all done. That way, relaxation is relaxation. Fair, fair. And I will say I have been blessed over the past week with a new form of relaxation, um, which is so incredibly tense. But I, I know we, we kind of quickly talked about it like personally, but the new and final season of Peaky Blinders came out over the yeah. weekend. And it is beyond a shadow of a doubt, some of the absolute best TV I have ever seen in my life. That makes me so happy because I was so late to the game to Peaky Blinders, and then I binged uh, seasons one through four, and I got to five, and the only reason I stopped five is because I probably binged one through four in a matter of two weeks. And and, And that's a heavy show. Yeah. So I needed a break, and I just haven't been back to it yet. But that's what everybody says. And and when it comes to other things, like not to get off on a tangent, but that's how I feel about this uh, little show on Netflix called The Last Kingdom. The Last Kingdom is very... That's on mine and Tyler's list to watch. It is so beautifully written. And now, unlike me, who had to wait two years for every season to come out, like it would come out every other season or uh, every other year, it is finally done. And they are doing a movie in that same world later called uh i think it's six kings must die which is a really cool title i really like that um as a title but i never i I remember like at the end of that show just feeling so good about how it ended as opposed to like ozark where i just i kind of felt like really like nothing changed that's personally like i just felt so full from that so that's great that you feel that way on peaky blinders because nothing feels worse than watching a show and having it be um, the ending being super underwhelming. And that's that's what I was afraid of, really and truly, like, terrified of it. But this is, I, I feel confident saying uh, I'm five out of six episodes in, and the only reason I have not watched the sixth episode is strictly because I You're do not, not want it to end. Yeah. But... Off the fucking Shelby. (laughs) It's the Peaky Blinders. I I feel confident saying from what I have seen so far because of this final season, this has surpassed, you know, Sopranos and Game of Thrones and, and everything else because of how it's just incrementally gotten better and better and better. And they, no matter how high you thought the stakes were in seasons past, it's raised the stakes every single time. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like slow. I'm. I lost my train of thought. I completely just it literally left me as quick as it found me. Uh, the one thing that I just I feel like with shows, I think it's great that you're thinking of that it, where it's leading is is really you know kind of satisfying because I really kind of don't like it when these shows do this thing where they're like, hey, we're gonna end our entire series with making you wonder what happened next. It's like, bro, I just watched three seasons of this to find out. I literally think about this in between episodes, what's happening next. I don't want to think about this at the end. I want some kind of relief here. I'm getting panic attacks on who's going to live and die. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing about Peaky Blinders, though, too, is it's never to the point where, you know, you have your main character, Thomas Shelby, 
and you're never to the point where like you're like oh this is getting boring because you know he's always going to win yeah because they they made sure that up to this point again i'm i I have one episode left and i believe that there's going to be a movie after this but i'm still not confident that he won and and to be able to be six seasons in and say that and and this is something where like if you don't know my dad this doesn't come across as a big deal whatsoever but my dad is just incredibly stoic and he is down to business and that is it and he's the one who got me into Peaky Blinders and I'll never forget my mom being absolutely furious because it was Christmas day and and we spent him and I like this is what we we do and we love him and I spent all of Christmas Eve watching uh, Band of Brothers Oh, that's awesome. And then, yeah, so, so like we were in that kind of mood. So Christmas morning, we woke up, and before Mass, we just watched Peaky Blinders for a few hours. And then we spent all day just watching Peaky Blinders. And my mom was like, it is Christmas. Can we can we stop? Um, but him and I were, were chatting about it, and he texted me this morning, and he's like, did you finish? And I was like, there's one episode left, but it's honestly so good. I just don't want it to end. And right. he just texted me, and he just goes, wow and i'm like yeah you know and and i'm like going off on how i've enjoyed it and he just goes it's so good it's really impressive but to get to get just the the wow good and impressive for my dad is like monumental achievement right that's awesome that's awesome and speaking of tv shows there's a tiny little (laughs) tiny little indie indie show going around uh with this uh small time actor very low budget um obi-wan kenobi and you know we're here to primarily talk about episodes four and five and obviously next episode we will cover the finale and kind of unpack everything that you know presumably happens at the end of all of that or doesn't happen um but yeah season or episodes four and five let's start with four Lindsay. How do you feel about episode four? Where do you want to begin? Um, this is the episode where Obi-Wan rescues Leia from the Inquisitorium. And he is, him and Tala are on a mission to get her out of that base. And um, also a little bit of rediscovery, as is kind of yeah. the theme of this show. We find, we pick him up doubting himself once again and and searching for his force powers and trying to find himself and who he is um Lindsay uh where would you like to begin on this episode what what stood out to you I I think there's one thing we have to remind ourselves and and keep talking about in a very different context where this is not a Peaky Blinders show right where we have six seasons this is not something where we have years of character development and we have 10 or even 22 episodes um, to, re- to really brace ourselves and, and be ready for. This is a series that we were told from the start is just six episodes and that, that's it. And that kind of frames things in a different context, right? Because we don't really have time for downtime. We don't really have time for nothing monumental has happened. We just have six episodes, at most six hours, to tell this story. And because of that, it's one of those things where with with episode four, it changes my perception of it because if this were a 
quote unquote normal TV show and having a normal format and setup. Yeah, it's fine. You know, you can you can afford that. You can afford a slower episode where maybe something is going to pay off down the line. But for me, episode four was a little bit too slow for what we need to do in the time remaining. It's not to say it's bad. If if this were something where we knew we were going to be in the show for years, I would probably really like this episode. But we're... I can't do the math right now, but we're well over 50% of the way through it. And, and to me, not enough happened to drive it forward. And aside from that, there were other major, major flaws. Um, for me, the, the acting fell really short. It was just a little bit melodramatic, I've, I've said before, but I do have an issue with not necessarily Moses Ingram, but the way she's being directed and how melodramatic the Inquisitors are all coming off. I felt that with a lot of the other new new characters and, and developmental issues. Um, so, so I think all in all, like this episode had its issues, and had if if this was a story that we had more time with, maybe they wouldn't be issues. But fact of the matter is, we have six episodes. We have to get shit done. These are issues. Yeah, and you know, it's it's like I, I said early on that I'm really so thankful that this is a TV show instead of a movie. But now that I'm kind of, uh, you know, at least by episode four where, where my brain was at, it to me I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe it should have been a movie. Because there is a little bit of bloat here. And that that's not to say like, because I love episodes, I think episode one is fantastic. I think I like episode two almost more than episode one just because of Ewan McGregor's uh, acting. And then I really love episode three. I think episode three mm-hmm. is something special. And I love a show where conversations are felt and they're the heartbeat and the moving part of the show. And then, you know, obviously you get that Vader thing. With this episode, I felt like... I felt like there had to be a big shift in the Empire and 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 kind of kind of cracking down on things you know after vader just let obi-wan go i wanted to see you know a little bit more of a crackdown and and in this episode i'll be honest like i rewatched it again and i felt a lot better about it on the second time rewatching. i love watching him discover and you can see it all in ewan mcgregor's eyes like this self-discovery of of relearning these old movements and and warming up these these joints again and and the movement the way he acts i think that lightsaber scene where he turns off the lightsaber and then smacks the stormtrooper and turns it off and gets the other one is beautiful i love learning about the that it's a tomb of people there yeah that that was a highlight for me that i hope we do go back and we we rediscover at some point yes it's, and that's, it's not like I'm saying this is the worst thing to ever happen to storytelling or TV. Oh, or there's Star a big, Wars. there's a big but for me. Coming. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's hear it. The but is, as much as I love Deborah Chow, and I'm trying not to be negative, Zach, because it doesn't anger me. There's things that Star Wars do does that ang- that has angered me in the past. This is a very poorly directed and very poorly written episode of TV. There is a lot of questionable things that would have never flown, that should not have flown, and there's a little bit too much safety on 
old um, Star Wars tropes, and I understand that these tropes are very Star Wars in their nature, but I think there comes a point where they they, they, they have their place, but they've outstayed their welcome. Starting with number one, the Stormtroopers. Missing down a narrow hallway when there are fucking six of them. And I went back and I rewatched, and Ewan McGregor, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, is clearly blocking a lot of these shots himself and, and, and becoming a Jedi Master. I was trying to watch this, giving the benefit of the doubt. But there are literally, like, shots just, like, five feet away from him, just, just literal background cannon fodder. Um, the whole acting of Moses Ingram, you know, I'm not a fan of in this episode. I've liked her in other episodes, and I will say that, spoiler alert, I like her a little bit more in episode five. Um, I just didn't understand the writing of an Inquisitor that is supposed to be a Jedi um, basically harassing a kid. Like, you can't get something out of a kid. I understand that this kid is a force savant, but it's a kid. This you you have a job. Like if you can't pick this out of a kid, you are. It's just it's it's we it's poor writing that we need to get this out of a kid. And plus, it's like why do you care? Uh, why are you asking where Obi Wan is? The only reason you grabbed her was because he would come to you. And not to mention, uh, Tala just strangling an Imperial guard. And then just leaving the body on the on literally the middle of the floor when the doorway is like literally right where that like somebody walks in that door they're seeing the dead body, like right then and there, just in the middle of the hallway. There's just a lot of poor writing choices. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, there there was just a lot of poor direction style, um, a lot of poor writing choices. Uh, you know, there's a lot of repeats to even Fallen Order alone, like, especially with the water. Like, I thought it was great watching, uh, Ewan McGregor, um, you know, keep that, you know, water from, from overflowing. But it's like, from a logistical standpoint, the first thing I thought when I saw a shot crack the glass would be like the Grievous fan. Like, when glass breaks in Revenge of the Sith and this big metal wall shuts it down why is that not implicated this is an underwater facility and then you know what is it fifth brother is like he almost destroyed the base with one fucking window what not to mention fifth brother and the inquisitors alone i don't understand why they're in the show if they have nothing to offer but just grunt and bitch and moan and literally watch watch and watch reva like do nothing or just stand there and look cool. They have no problem just watching her. And I understand the dichotomy. They want to watch her fail. But there's like, and there's even just logistical things with Reva alone. It's like she's right in the middle at the end of this uh, whole um, balcony surrounded by stormtroopers and two fucking snow speeders stop this. And then we're upset. We're supposed to feel sad for Wade, who we met all of one minute. It was just very... It was just very, um, you know... A lot of it is forced. It's very forced and very poor... It was just poorly directed. And I hate to say that because it's Deborah Chow. And I told you that maybe they're saving the budget for later down the line. But with six episodes... And, you know, there's a lot of things going on with Disney. Their new CEO cracks down on everything. He's tightening and firming up all budgets. There's a lot of shit going on with Disney right now that might have been the factor of all of this but the reality is 
there a six episode season is really barely a six uh, season in my opinion and that shit's got to go in all of this disney plus stuff like um you know uh what is it moon knight is great but it what stops me from saying it was amazing is because i feel like i barely got involved in that show before it was over Mm -hmm. They're typically it's, a mini. So if this were HBO and it was a six-season episode arc, it would be called. It would be dubbed a mini series. Yeah, but HBO doesn't give us a thirty-minute uh, fucking episode. HBO says we're going to give no. you an hour long every time. Oh, yeah, we're going to yeah, spend yeah. time, and if we don't have the budget to do this, we're going to write. We're going to write something that is compelling, and I. I mean, like HBO. Uh, I don't know. I'm getting on a tangent. My point is. This wasn't the worst episode of Star Wars TV I've ever seen. Um, a lot of people no. forget about that Dave Filoni Tatooine episode in Mandalorian Season 1, and I still think that's, like, one of the worst TV episodes I've seen. It just had no point. It, it didn't have much point to the story, and it really... We didn't need a little tiny episode... I, I like I don't I don't even understand the writing choices of taking Leia. Like why would we take Leia? Like Leia in in Reva's eyes was the the beacon to get Obi-Wan. Why why would you kid there were so many ways you could have gone about that. Like, oh, I got she could have stayed on planet and said, "Oh, I got her. I got her." And he would have just walked right out. Like it just uh it's just made didn't make a lot of sense. Now there were still a lot of things. And then, you know, it's, sorry, dialogue with uh, Ice Cube's son. I forget his name. He's so awesome, though. And in the beginning, he's like, yeah, I can't help you, man. I can't do that. Ah, okay, I can help you. Like, literally five fucking seconds later. Yeah. I There's don't know. A, sorry. There is, no, 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 because I, I think just because of the weight of this show and the subject matter, it seems like they almost expect that they have the right to introduce certain characters and plot points and there's already this emotional gravitas to them when there is simply not. And and I will say over and over and over again in tonight's discussion because the highlight for episode four for me was once again Tala. I think right. that is an incredible character who mm-hmm. you are you you have time to sit and Absolutely. digest what she is and what she's about and they keep building and building on it. And she is put in hard situations, and she doesn't turn to anyone. Like, that's that's a good character. That's a strong character. I don't see that with, with anyone else in this episode. Yeah, and to be fair, uh, if you're still around because you're tired of me bitching, there is some <laughs> good elements of this, of this episode. Tala is definitely one of them. Um, and again... I think watching Ewan McGregor's self-discovery is a beautiful thing. I am being a little bit hard on this show because I, I think I think a lot of our fans, and I'm not saying like you gotta you gotta leave your expectations at the door when it comes to like watching something. It's fun to talk about these things, but when you actually go to watch these things, anything that I say or you theorize, us being the listener listeners or or Lindsay. We need to leave it at the door and give the directors and the writers a chance to show us something new because we all talked about how time travel never belonged in Star Wars and we should never see it. And then we get that Rebels episode mm-hmm. that deals with time travel mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. The world between worlds, yeah. And it's executed properly. So it's important to keep those things at the door. 
With that being said, this was the perfect opportunity to introduce a flashback episode that would teach us a lesson or show us or show the viewers we know, but show the viewers more of that relationship and the cracks behind Anakin and and stuff like that. We did not need a little rescue into the Empire because nothing was really gained from this episode. We didn't really gain anything. That was was the issue, both... Both plot-wise and character-wise. Well, we learned lore. That was it. Well, yes. But that, that again, did not need to be an entire episode. No, I mean, like, and not when you... Show's premise was a fight against Vader, Obi-Wan's self-discovery, and then his um, reaching out to Qui-Gon and the Force. You know, there's so many routes you could have stuck in this middle part. But really, you know, I mean, you have Hayden Christensen. I thought we'd... At this point, I thought we would see a little bit more of him in this show mm-hmm. than we have because he was so marketed. And maybe that's on me, but he was front and center on all of it. And he, you know, that's why I really thought episode four yeah. after the reveal would be. Here's here's the one caveat I'll, I'll add to that, though. I do think he was in misdirection, so no one saw Leia coming. I think it was Let's Boast About Hayden. So no one notices we have this this appropriately aged girl. I don't know. For for a part that could potentially be this, where people are not then diving into, okay, well, here's the show notes, here's the casting notes, who is this, and figuring it out. I think I do, content, I said this before, I do think Hayden was more of a red herring to keep the the whole Leia thing secret which I'm I'm fine with I'm Yeah, cool with. but you don't promise Thanos and and then give us Roger the rabbit. I'm not saying Leia's like less than, but this is a legacy character, you know? I mean, but so I is, just thought, so is Leia and Leia's But the incarnation it. of of Anakin through Hayden Christensen is bigger than mm-hmm. a younger Leia and he was a, a part of all of it. I just thought at this point we would get a little bit more and I, I, I mean, so with you, and you know, not to me, because I don't want to sound bitchy. Um, I already have enough. Uh, any final thoughts of episode four? It was the best way I can describe it is lackluster. Right. And, and again, if this were a longer series or we had more time, we could easily say, like, maybe they're setting something up. This is plot development. This is character development. But we don't have enough time left to make those claims or make those assumptions. So for me, this this is lackluster. Um, why don't Look, we move on to that? Well, I, 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 I think that might be slightly more positive, not quite enough. Um, well, I, I, w- I will close that, you know, um, Vader don't fucking play. Uh, he ain't got a problem choking someone out. <laughs> that, 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 I mean, that was, that was a, a good scene. Um, but yes, into episode five. So episode five of Obi-Wan Kenobi, we have one more after this, guys. This just feels like it showed up. And went. Let's talk about episode five, the opening. Um, Lindsay, I'm gonna let you uh, start in on this. Uh, Did you I shit mean, your pants? Yeah. Talk about emotional impact. Um, and just over as soon as we saw Coruscant, I was like, oh yes, this, 
this is the kind of flashback I need. And and again, until we saw Anakin, could not even be sure it was a flashback. Part of me was just like, oh, please let this be part of the story. Um, because I think I do, this might be a, a conversation for another time, but off the top of my head, like, it kind of would be beautiful to see that incredible, beautiful, calm opening of Coruscant and then flash to, like, Palpatine slash Sidious and, and have that juxtaposition. Um, but once I realized it was a flashback, like, yeah, that opening was impactful. Um, especially I cannot possibly recommend this enough going through this series after having read Brotherhood and seeing these two together in this time era was just incredible. Um, but, but overall, yeah, I think that the, the flashback sequence was more of the, the stuff that we wanted coming into this, not because of um, nostalgia, not because of anything fan service related, simply because it's character development. Well, seeing right? and the, where they and were this, versus where they are now. Exactly. But it's like, okay, now... After seeing, like, these are the moments they had, and I think we've... It's it's probably going to take us entirely off topic, and, and maybe this is something we kind of put on the post-it note for later, but it's so interesting seeing scenes like this in this context, because it made me realize that most of the time when we see Anakin's training under Obi-Wan, it's from Anakin's perspective. And right. it's from how much he thinks he can do and maybe how Obi-Wan is holding him back. But this was a great scene for me, or, or a great sequence of scenes, we'll say, because we got to understand Obi-Wan's side of things. And like seeing him really shine as a teacher and as a mentor and as a master was really something. And, and it was one of those things where as we're watching it, I'm like, man, I didn't realize I was missing this, but I was. Yeah, no, I, I, when I, when I saw this, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. This was everything I wanted. And, you know, full disclosure, you know, we talk about Hayden Christensen not being involved enough in this show, and, and we still could get more uh, involved. And I, that's where I was up to episode four. But when I got to this, I was just so fucking thankful I got it. I got to see these two act as master and apprentice again on, on the screen. And, you know, because you're going to read about it online and and we've definitely nitpicked some things about the show surely early on um with episode four i mean i i'm sorry i'm going to tell you how i feel you know you're going to see stuff online that say like you know hayden clearly looks older i don't give a flying fuck like he's he it's not that much difference and you know what it didn't take it out because i didn't care i got to see hayden christensen as Anakin Skywalker, you know, um, training with with Obi Wan, like that—that's the moments where the magic is really there, where you don't care if it's on the the you know the the big screen, the sides. Uh, I forget what screen it's called. Every time, every time I think about it, that they do a lot of their recording on. Um, why am I forgetting the screen? Like you can tell that it's you know in the uh, you know on their big screen background. Who cares? It's so beautiful watching these two in the same room, and the chemistry and the electricity between them is so magical. And then to dump us right 
where we're off of, you know, where we left off and where our world is now. This pristine, beautiful Coruscant bringing with Anakin and Obi-Wan moving to this broken world with this um, with this man. And, and I think in this early in this episode, you really start start to see Obi-Wan embracing the light again. Yeah, and and I I think that is something that did come across really really well in this episode. There were so many moments of us realizing like Obi Wan really is getting back into he's he's getting away from Ben and getting back into Obi Wan, you know, and and without jumping ahead too much. But the moments where it's like he's he in his head has just been on this mission where it's just like Leia Leia Leia, let me save Leia. I'm gonna get back to to Tatooine as soon as I save Leia. That's it. Now we finally had that moment of he's looking around and seeing all these other people who need something before him and Leia. And he kind of starts to understand, like, look, this is not the most important thing in the world. And that line where he just says, what can we do to help is is where we start really driving this home. Yeah, absolutely. And I think where that where that kind of story picks off and and what I really like is the whole conversation between Vader and Reva. But really, I think it's like the way that this was edited, where it's panning back and forth between these two and seeing him kind of discover and Vader's tracking down. And then there's these flashbacks between these two fighting. I, I think this this episode is edited and directed very well in my opinion very very well um because it it, like even even just watching like vader going through space like we haven't seen somebody like stare down hyperdrive in live action as much as this scene was and i just thought it was cool to see the hyperdrive Mm -hmm. open space and vader like a you know like a rabid dog waiting for that electrical fence to give out because the moment it's out i'm gonna go darting towards him he is just waiting staring at hyperspace nothing he's he's just waiting there can't wait to get out there and 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 destroy this man yeah and i think the the opening sequence like it's so easy to sit and talk about kind of the the obi-wan context of it but yeah the whole thought that this this opening sequence and the, the um flashback sequence it is showing us like anakin's just aggressive you know he and and obi-wan says it's so much more beautifully than than we ever could but in terms of you know showing mercy it's just not in anakin's nature and that is what is starting to become his undoing a little bit is because that is his nature and it's more predictable and i like that he didn't catch that right away i like that that was out there and he was saying you know you are a powerful warrior anakin when you stop trying to prove it you know is when you'll move on i'm not quoting word for word but i like that because there were a lot and he anakin is aggressive in this fight you can tell he wants to win he wants to beat obi-wan um there's no hiding in hayden's face with that and what i love about that is is we're seeing a better time a cleaner time a happier time but the warning signs were always there. There was always signs of that, of where that could lead. 
It was just Obi-Wan had a different thought, and nobody really picked up on it. When you go to, you know, and then you add on top all of the influence that the books or the movies show of how Palpatine twisted his mind and made him think more inward, the signs were there. So I do very much appreciate that. No, this this episode, just all in all, from the nostalgia factor and what we gained from the nostalgia, was just so much better. Not to say it was perfect, I still think episode three was the best, but this episode did give us more of those insights and more of that driving and plot in less of a melodramatic way. Yeah, absolutely. And so... Basically, where we kind of get to the more adrenaline-pumping part is the Empire, you know, tracks down Obi-Wan. Um, is, is the planet called Jabim? Yes. Is Jabim. Yeah. Uh, they track down uh, the, the, the people that are serving the path and Obi-Wan um, on a planet called Jabim. And Vader is waiting at the gate, and the, the tracker that they had found it ends up shutting off the roof so they can't leave. And so the Empire's at a standstill um, trying to get through these doors that Obi-Wan locks down. And, you know, what I really like about this part is Obi-Wan finally says something. He starts leading the pack. He stops being passive and he says, all right, we need to do this, 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 mm-hmm. and this. And, and you know, um, yes, General. I, I loved hearing that yeah. so much. So And and that was kind of cool, too, because you, you realize, like, him and he always played things from a Jedi level, whereas Anakin, I think, always played things from a general level. And now he's realizing that to beat someone at their own game, you have to be on the same wavelength. And he's going back into general mode, not because he wants to, but because he knows it's going to help defeat Vader, or at least fend him off. Right. So let's get into kind of the the big twist of this episode and this series. Um, the Reva twist. Mm. When Obi-Wan decides to confront Reva, um, he realizes that she is hunting Vader and that she's after Vader and her whole reason for joining up with the Inquisitors and rising in ranks was to eventually take down Vader and Obi-Wan tries to bend to her, um, you know, tries to break her and she's like, no, you know, what were you doing? You weren't helping. You didn't do anything. You caused all of... I mean, you you watched all these people die. Where were you? And yeah, how do we feel about this twist that she is essentially hunting Vader? Um, she's still evil and has different intentions, uh, but she wants to stop Vader herself. How do how do we feel about that whole thing? Oh man, what a what a loaded question. Because look, like. A lot of it, you you and I actually, last time we talked, I think we had disagreed because you were saying, like, oh, Reva was a youngling killed. I think it was you. Um, but you were saying, like, yeah, Reva was a youngling killed in, or who I had to watch Order 66, and, and this is her gripe. And I remember disagreeing because they kept talking about finding her in the gutters, and I was like, they wouldn't have talked about a youngling with Jedi training saying we found you in the gutters. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. 
But what... Ugh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say it irks me the most, but, like, why it doesn't land for me is because from the starting gate, like, I've just never really been a, a Reva fan. And it's nothing personal. It's it's nothing against Moses Ingram. It really is more in the direction category. But, like, that ca- that character kind of keeps falling flat for me. And, and she is the thing kind of pissing me off, not because of any intentional reason. Because it's just acted like it's a soap opera and I feel like it would have been so much more impactful had I really liked and liked might be the wrong word but you know what I mean where where I felt strongly about the character one way because sometimes you, you don't necessarily like a villain but you like watching what the villain is going to do Right. her I feel like every time she's on screen I'm kind of just annoyed yeah I mean I, I'll be honest I I feel of two different minds with this reveal. I think it's, um, I still don't understand motives. Like then why would you work for the empire? Why would you be so close? Why would you not attack him right away? Are you trying to train? Is that was, was that your reason for joining the inquisitors? I mean, there was nothing else to do. She would have died. So she was quite forced into this job, but you would think she would probably want to learn more rather than be so aggressive in leadership like she's kind of a bright star and somebody who has their own motives you know might not show their hand of card not to mention i don't understand why she's so hell-bent on finding obi-wan then if she's hunting anakin mm-hmm. what what is the obi-wan you know poll why is she so hell-bent on on that uh, it, it just doesn't maybe it's just bait like maybe maybe blinding that, him yeah that well the best way to but that's that's the other piece of it too it's like but obi-wan suggests that in, but but like what was she waiting for was she waiting to be in close physical proximity until she attacks was she waiting till he I, there there's just so many like what were you thinking here moments yeah, and I mean, like, as far as the actual, like, her story, I like Reva a lot more hearing her end of it and seeing her end of what it was like to be a Jedi youngling in it. Um, in in that attack, I mean, they, they quite literally show um, Anakin mowing down kids, which sounds horrible given our current situation with Uvalde and in, in, in our real-world stuff, yeah. but... This is going to sound terrible to say. I liked for my Star Wars fictional uh, fake universe. I liked that we got to see his actions because it brought Mm -hmm. down more of the menace that he actually is and who he became. I'm glad that we got to see that. In my fictional fake universe, I'm glad we saw the monster because it really made double down on how terrifying Vader is. And one thing out of this this series, I'm going to tell you right now, I think Vader's been treated better than any um, any other character in this show. I've never felt Vader, like the the Vader version of my head, the comic books that I read... um, 
Vader is like full force unleashed in this. And I've seen a couple like kind of people talk like uh, critics like, oh, it was just too much. You know, it was, he was too OP um, because, um, yeah, I mean, like TV and and all that, that universe stuff like the movies. He just not that powerful. So why is he that powerful? It, it was just fucking cool to see. Vader is so freaking terrifying in the show. He is like Mike Myers and he is so powerful. And it was really, it's really awesome to see. Um, but before I think we get- also like the the thing to remember though too is there is the younger generation who has just been kind of OD with everything forever, and what I mean by that is I will never forget my introduction to Vader was one night just getting ready for school the next morning. You know, I figure if I if I started watching Star Wars when I was nine years old. I could not have been more than like six or seven at this point. And the thing that sticks out to me is I remember um, it was like an ABC Sunday night kind of thing. And it was the AFI's top villains ever. And they ranked Darth Vader as like in the top five somewhere. You know, he wasn't number one, but he was in the top five. And I kind of just remember sitting there when I was young in the late 90s, thinking, like, why is this scary? And and my mom, I'll never forget this, trying to explain to me, like, why that was, you know, like, they didn't have CGI. They didn't have a lot of the technology we did. It was just costumes, so it was scary. That right. gets lost on today's generation, you know? Mm-hmm. It, little kids today, like, my, my nephews can watch the original trilogy and watch Star Wars and not understand why Vader was scary for a lot of people and why he's a villain. Right. But when you see him like this and like in Rogue One, it's scary for them. And it doubles down for generations to come. I mean, like, yeah. you know, horror movies were different in the silent film days than they were in the 70s. And, you know, things just get uh, a little bit more intense. But before we get into the Vader stuff... um. With everything I've said about episode four and um, some of the direction, I'm not going to lie. This was the first time that I've almost teared up during Star Wars and had to, like, fight back tears. You know, in this, in this, um, before the battle begins where the Empire is going to come through the gates, um... Because Reva decides, fuck you, Obi-Wan. I'm not going to help you. Why would, why would we work together to take down Obi-Wan? I'm, I'm, why, why would I do that? That would just make too much sense. Sorry. Um, you mean she, to take down Vader? Yeah. Why would we not work See, together to take down Vader? Let's, let's, uh, let's just uh, create more complications here and not use a Jedi Master who will be the focus of vader for me to get to kill vader like i thought that's where this was going i thought this was like they were going to team up for sure and be like the necessary group that needed to work with obi-wan shining the light like he suggested he would do and then she could come in and be the surprise and it's just like it it didn't freaking work at all like she's just like no i don't want to do that so she opens up the doors all right you, you had a point you wanted to add though no, more of that, that clarification of who you meant. But but again, for me, it's just I think that Reva as an entire character has fallen so flat that anything dealing with her is kind of like 
Meh. Right. Well, the one, the point that I was, you know, taking a long time to get to that wasn't meh is early on in the episode, you know, Tal has been kind of like showing Obi-Wan the light again. You'll, you know, once you believe in yourself, Obi-Wan, you will find that light again. She's been the one encouraging him the entire time. And she kind of talks about her past and how she had to watch people die for the Empire and that every time she goes out and fights, she takes one more nick against her gun. When Tala makes the ultimate sacrifice in this and tells Obi-Wan to go ahead, that was so beautifully directed, so beautifully written. Mm -hmm. When she is, when that droid who hasn't spoken one bit of dialogue, you can feel everything in him taking the shots, taking the hits, and then getting down and protecting her to his last breath or, I mean, last life, last fuse box. Yeah. And her just looking at Obi-Wan and grabs the bomb and just nukes them. I was, like, between Top Gun and that scene, I would ju- I just started feeling the swell come up to me. And it's, it's so sad because I cared about this character so much in so little time. Even with episode four being a little bit like everything that I've said, you're right. Again, like, she still was the great, highlight. She was the highlight, 100%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a part of me, even though I know what happens in canon, a part of me kind of wanted this series to stupidly end with them going on a hanging out together in Tatooine or... Yeah. You know, maybe Obi-Wan... I, I know the whole Obi-Wan finding love things is a weird thing. I don't know. My mind was just wondering. Like, I wanted her to... No, no, to, no. I don't think to, it's weird. To be, like... I wanted her to be a part of this universe a lot longer. And I realized that she was... You know, the... She was the crux of finding his heart between Leia and Tala. They were the ones that made him have to find himself again. And what really broke me was... Obi-Wan has another person that he's lost. And it's like, how much more grief can this guy take? And yeah, but, but watching this grief... But I think that's grief, what's adding up to it, yeah. Yeah, and, and learning to to rise above this is part of that lesson as well. You know, pulling ourselves out of that pit. And I, I just, I thought that was such a beautiful scene. It, no, it really was. Especially because for a moment... It did feel like uh, with the the cargo droid, things were gonna be okay, and right. I like that when you, when they give you just enough to think like, oh, all right, this this will be fine. You know, he's here. Right. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I it sucks because because Tala is a great character, and that actress has she, a career yeah. because she. She really stood out in this show, and uh, yeah, it's been a long time that I have like had to stop myself from actively uh, getting some tears. And then moving on with the intensity of you know Vader, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Vader is terrifying. Like I could not believe that he just grabbed that fucking ship and yanked that son of a bitch down and just started tearing back metal like it was nothing. And then Reva coming up here doing her dang thing. And he's just like, no, fool. I don't even need a lightsaber for you. And that kind of that kind of gives Reva um, a little bit more of a perspective that I enjoy is 
that, you know, not while we haven't really cared for Reva that much, that might just be the point that Reva thought she was a bigger fish than she was because literally Vader just is like, uh, uh, I don't even need to fight you with a lightsaber. I don't even need to get into aggressive negotiations. I'm just going to dismiss this whole situation. And that whole using the force to, to move her blades, to stop her blades, to whip her around and play with her, it adds to the fact of episode three that he was merely playing with his toys. And that Vader Listen, is blood drunk. That was awesome. There were there were cool things about this for sure, but uh oh, it, it it it's maybe it's because like I said before, I've been catching up and and finishing uh, Peaky Blinders. But but the beauty of Peaky Blinders is. It gives you just enough with the main character where season one starts off and he is just so cool and he is so badass and he really absolutely just has like he has this great win. Season two, he's still cool, he's still badass, but it's a bigger villain because he worked his way up and he he still escapes, but mm-hmm. it's a very narrow escape. Mm-hmm. And it keeps going like that season after season. Whereas when you get to right now, the final season, it really is the question because it's not so much that they raise the stakes, but they narrow the margins just enough. And for me, I think maybe having that comparison or having that understanding of how it should be, Reva falls short because it's not earned. Like, it is this cool... Where, yeah, sure, you can't take away from the coolness or the badassness of what she does. But do you really feel like there's ever a chance? Do you really feel like she ever earned it? No, and that's no. a very fair point. That's that's yeah. a very fair point. Like, the beatdown that she got, we knew that she was going to get. Which isn't ideal. Um, and that's why that's what I thought, like would help her as a character I, I thought that the moment they were talking that those two were going to team up to take down Vader um, so when it didn't happen I'm like well of course and like it's like why strike now mm-hmm. out of all the times you're going to strike why are you striking him now she was you know she's been around him before um, why right now I mean I guess he's isolated in that scene completely alone with nobody around him no empire no nothing um but yeah i i think that's a good point i just simply don't care because vader was (laughs) he was like master yoda level just just literally toying with her and i i thought it was like so cool the choreography was done very well it was in a very um amazing setting to see all that and just watching it happen i just felt it look did it have to happen did i have to see this no was it necessary in a six episode arc for vader to take down the bad guy no but we've already established that reva is uh not our favorite villain and at the very least i got to see my favorite villain literally putting a a a spank down out of this world that i've been waiting as a fan to see Vader do since the prequels. I've been waiting to see this version of Vader since, you know, Revenge of the Sith and Force Unleashed. 
No, that's again. There were there were highlights. It's not like this is the worst thing to ever been done. Um, I I just wish that Reva as a character was more flushed out and we had a better experience with. Is all I'm saying. Right, and I and I think I think you're exactly right when it comes to like the show pegging her as the you know the focal point of the bad guys. Her essentially being a pawn to the bad guys kind of makes us feel like she was never worth watching because she's never really a threat even to the bad guys they don't she was just a toy that they played with and it doesn't help your viewership um you know when when you're like oh i just watched a toy chase after obi-wan you know you want things to be close so i agree with you when it comes to this show and where we left off we leave you know, our characters Reba in the dirt, which, you know, to me is still just like, there's a, still a couple things. It's like, why wouldn't Vader grab that ship then as that's flying off? That, I mean, that is, seems a little weird. Like he could have easily just grabbed that one too. There's a lot of, you know, every episode, the bad guys are just one step right behind Obi-Wan, but can find them. Uh, but regardless, I thought the dialogue with the Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, was great. I think Rupert is doing an amazing job. It's great to see him again. But where we leave them off is Reva in the dirt, presumably finding Bale's message. And Obi-Wan, you know, realizing that something's up. But we have Vader and the Inquisitor marching off. With Reba presumably heading to heading to Tatooine and Obi Wan seeing sums up. Where do you think that this show is going? Any predictions? Any anything? I mean, I I think if there's one thing this show has proven is that predictions mean absolutely nothing. I just hope it drives it back to what we kind of all came for, which is that slow, steady character development of Obi-Wan, right? That's that's the drawing force. That's what we all want. We want to understand, like, why did, why did this character stay in a desert for 19 years to protect one kid mm-hmm. when there was so much else going on? And, and I do hope we we get a little bit of closure there obviously plot wise like we didn't even talk about the the comeback of the grand inquisitor and that explanation and in the implications there but but that at least is tied up Mm -hmm. plot wise we're gonna have to tie up like how does leia get back to her family and get back to to bail we're gonna have to tie up a lot of these other, you know, how come the rebellion doesn't really know about Ben or Obi Wan? Like, there's, there's so many little things that we still presumably only have an hour to really go through and understand. I just hope we have a good understanding of like, look, Vader knows Obi Wan is out there. Obi Wan knows who Vader is and what he is doing. How did they let another nine years go by in just kind of this stalemate? 
I I need that is that is the question I need answered by the end of this more so than anything else is why is that nine year stalemate okay? Yeah, and part of me, the only thing that I need, well, there's a lot of things I need. Um, you know, I I need to see this resolution with Qui Gon. I need to see if Qui Gon's going to reach out and 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 if he's going to discover Qui-Gon um I I need to I need to see this Vader fight I'm a little nervous about this whole rumored season two now because I don't think it's warranted after this one yeah I'm like I'm like kind of very nervous yeah and and I just don't like anything lately that has these kind of rumors because I have come to so enjoy the, look, this is the story we have to tell. This is how long we need to tell it. And that's going to dictate as opposed to here's the story. Here's the character. Here's the cast. We're going to let the networks tell us what to do. Well, I've said for years now, though, like with the Obi-Wan show, I only need one season. Just give me everything in one season. I don't need anything else. I don't need it to run on. I don't even want it to run on. And I'm kind of nervous about the season two thing because I'm starting to get a feeling based on the ending of this that that Reva's going to be the finale. Because they've like barely dueled Kenobi and Reva. And Reva's been the main, the main uh, villain this whole time with Vader looming. She's been more of the action... And I'm kind of nervous that Obi-Wan and Vader aren't going to fight. I'm kind of nervous that they're saving that for season two. And it's like, I don't want them to save anything. I just want you to give me everything right now. Like, if I wanted to to do this sprinkling in shit, I would pick up Riverdale again. And I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying I won't watch it. I'm not saying that I won't be totally excited to see Ewan McGregor more and, and to get to more... Um, answers and to be honest I'm okay with refining the show a little bit but it scares me because I I, they built Kathleen Kennedy said this is the ultimate rematch and and it seems like where are we going to get all of this relationships tied up all the the baggage between Obi-Wan and Anakin that we haven't talked about that we haven't looked into Qui-Gon somehow not being around and then the subsequent fight between them where Obi-Wan's at right now he's not even ready to kill him yeah I mean I do think they maybe overestimated how much everyone would love and care about Reva yeah and I mean I get it every creator wants to introduce their Din Djarin or there is Ahsoka Tano. Um, I get that, but they doubled down on a fight, on a rematch between Obi-Wan and Vader, and I'm not so certain that we're going to get it. I think there might be a backdoor season two. Or extra episodes that we don't know about. I, Because I just don't see these things tying up in a satisfying way. I mean, and I hope it's not the same way like Boba Fett ended. Boba Fett ended very well like, ah, all right, we tied that up. All right, that's cool. What do we do next? And I'm just scared. I'm, I'm just scared. I'm not overly worried, but I felt like this show really started out a deep character study and now has kind of imploded into um, being a little bit loose with things. Yeah, 
Uh, I I thought it would be the other way around, where it goes into this whole bit. You know, it, it's advertised as a whole big plot centric and right. You know, pew pew kind of show, and I feel like it started out as what you and I were hoping for, which it did start off as the character development show, and now it's just kind of gone off the rails a little. Yeah, and I I will say that I I really do like episode five. I really yes. like. Oh five. yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Look, when we when you look at episode five compared to four, really starts to bring it back. I still think episode three is the highlight, and episode three is kind of where it's at. I hope episode six is longer. Yeah, this is more the six and, episode six symptom stigma for me than anything. Yeah, so so we'll we'll see what happens next week. I hope they kind of tie it all back together and start to wrap it up. I'm just a little nervous as to what that's going to look like and how it's going to be. Um, but but all in all, like this, and, and it sucks because I feel like it's so easy to get into the negatives in episode five. But there were highlights. Like we did start to see a lot more of of Obi Wan coming around and. And going from that, look, I'm not here for any specific reason. I'm not here to help you to the what can I do to help mentality. Right. There were highlights in episode five. Yeah, I just don't see all that. I I think we're on the same page that we just don't see all of that happening in one episode. In a cohesive way. It, It almost happens sporadically and almost, dare I say, it happens unintentionally. Right. And I want it to be intentional. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, um, that's the show of Sith Talk. Um, where can you find Sith Talk? You can find Sith Talk under the Clashing Sabers podcast feed. Um, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me at Sith Talker twenty five. And if you want to talk about like your Obi Wan. Um, you know, like kind of what you're theorizing, what you're thinking, how you're feeling about the show. I think this show still has a lot uh, that it can be. And, uh, you know, I think this could very well be some really good Star Wars moments left to do in this show. Um, But join our Facebook group, the Clashing Sabers Facebook group, and you can comment below and converse with us there. You can also message us at Talk Instagram. Same old, same old. You can find me at SidTalker25 talking all things uh, Spartan race, heavy metal, working out, Star Wars, comic books. Lindsay, do you want to tell us more about Clashing Sabers and uh, a little bit about you? I sure do, because aside from our podcast network, and you can find shows like Sith Talk, we have other shows depending on what you're interested in and what kind of podcast you like. We have a whole variety of different shows. So please feel free to um, subscribe to whatever podcast platform you use. We're going to be there. So feel free to um, subscribe to the Clashing Sabers Network. But more importantly, what we want to talk about and what we do is, aside from just talking about Star-, Star Wars and being a podcast network, we are also a nonprofit organization. And we take every single dollar we get from any fundraiser, from our Patreon page. And our goal is to help fund school classrooms and libraries that might not have access to all of the books that they need. We want schools and, and kids to have 
the same level of storytelling that we had access to that got us into Star Wars, that made us better people, that got us into, into reading. And we want to help them. So every single dollar we get goes to funding these different schools to make sure that they have enough books for their kids uh, and, and their students to get enough um, what's, exposure to, to all of this. So even if you can't donate money, because we, we get it, right? We know times are tough. We know you can't always donate money. One way you can help us is just refer other schools and other teachers that you know. Yes, if you want to donate money, you can You can do that. You can join our Patreon page. And again, every single dollar that we get, unlike other podcasting networks, none of it goes into our equipment and our technology and our advertising. Every single dollar goes back into the hands of a kid who needs it. Uh, so feel free to check out um, Clashing Sabers and, and see what we're about and potentially donate. And if you can't donate, we understand let us know who we can help. Even if it is your own student and, and your own classroom or your own kid, submit that teacher name, submit that school name, and we'll start to send them over some free books. Awesome. And with that being said, guys, hey, may the force be with you. Always. Hey. Looks like you're done talking, Sith. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're gonna venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way. I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business. Go back to your drinks.